Um, so I was reminded um, as I was sitting here, and we got lights flashing, and we're trying to do all this technology. My kids, um, yesterday, uh, a couple of my kids were watching the movie Back to the Future, if, if you all remember watching that. And there's a scene, and I, it's been so long since I watched it, but in the very beginning, like Michael J. Fox hooks up his guitar to this like 10 foot tall speaker amp, you know? And he like takes one, anybody remember this scene? He like strums it and it blows, like it explodes. And I'm just sitting here thinking, if we do, if we add one more piece of technology, okay, lights are flickering, things going crazy, this place is like, we're a step away from being blown away. It's just gonna explode, all right? Um, so, now to preach, and I had nothing to do with anything I wanna talk about for the next few minutes, but we're gonna jump into it. Um, so a year ago, Okay, I was still pretty fresh here in North Carolina. We, we, came, we were just coming out of a series. North Carolina, South Carolina, yeah. Everything's getting ready to blow here, all right, okay. Yeah, you can't, yeah. South Carolina, everyone. I just wanted to see how loyal y'all were. South Carolinians, okay. Um, we lived in North Carolina at the time, okay. I'm, I'm, okay, let's start over. A year ago, we had just come out of moving to South Carolina, all right? I don't know where I'm at anymore. Um, we came out of a series um, called Who's Your One, which was all about evangelism, our responsibility to reach out with the good news of the gospel to others around us. And, and so we, we came out of this series, and I want to revisit it again a year later. Um, if you remember, we, most of us, a lot of us filled out a card. We wrote down a name of the one person we were praying for, the one person that we, we wanted to reach with the gospel. And, and we did that last year, and I want to revisit that. We, we can't get away from this because this is who we're called to be. You know, in John 17, we came out of this series about Jesus' prayer for us what he's praying for us, and it revolves around his mission for us. And that mission is to reach others with the good news of the gospel. And so we're coming back to uh, this who's your one. So today the sermon is called Find Your One. All right, find your one. How many of you all would agree with me that 2020 has been kind of a rough year? How many of you would agree? All right, some of you are like, no, it's awesome. It's, I love it. Um, it is, it's been a rough year being stuck at home, missing out on social events and activities, um, all the stuff going on. Uh, but here's the thing, as we, as we continue through this year, as things begin to become a little bit more normal, right? Um, it would be easy for us to start gathering socially like we're doing, which y'all, I love this. I'm so loving this um, as we're coming back here in person. Um, but here's the thing, we could start gathering socially and, and all these things and we're no longer stuck at home or stuck away from people but it would be easy for us to get back to normal where we may not be uh, to ourselves physically, but we live still inwardly and not outwardly. Uh, does that make any sense to you? We're, we're just taken in and we're, we're created for community. We're created to, to have an outlet, to invest into others. Let me use an illustration. You've probably heard this a lot of times before from other preachers, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna use it. Uh, it's like the Dead Sea. If you're familiar with the Dead Sea in Israel, um, the Dead Sea, um, you know why it's called the Dead Sea? It's because no plant or animal life can be sustained because of the, the, the high concentration of salt. So it's also called the Salt Sea. Um, but one of the things, it's, it's, it's 33 to 34% concentrated salt, okay? So it's so dense that people, I mean, you just lay in the water and you float, okay? So go home, Google Dead Sea floating, and you'll see all these pictures of people who just jump in and like there's pictures of guys like reading newspapers, they're just floating on the water. Um, it's because there's so much salt 
Um, I don't know if you all like salt water when I'm in the ocean and it's just like this, uh, the, the salt is in your mouth. The, the Dead Sea is like five to 10% more. Um, that doesn't sound like it's enough, but it's a, lot, it's a lot more salt than the ocean, okay? And so no life can be sustained in the Dead Sea. And the reason why, the reason why there's such a high concentration of salt is because water comes in, but there's no way for it to come out, for it to get out. There's no outlet. And so the water has to evaporate, but it, it, it leaves all of this, this salt. And so no animal or plant life can, can be sustained. But here's the crazy thing about the Dead Sea. When you start looking it up, um, people use the... the the mud around the mud, uh, the mud sea, the Dead Sea, um, the minerals from the Dead Sea for, for like healing properties, right? It's, it's supposed to make your skin, they, they literally, like I watched this video of this lady who was just scooping up mud and she's just plastering her face with it because all of these minerals, these life-giving minerals within the Dead Sea. But the crazy thing is that life can't actually be sustained in the Dead Sea, but there's all these life-giving properties. And when I think about that, I, I feel like that's a, an incredible picture of the Christian life. That, you know, we come to Christ, we come to faith in Christ. He brings us out of the darkness into the light, gives us life. And we have all these life-giving properties and, and possibilities out of our own life. But if all we do is take in and there's no outlet, we never invest in others. If we never take the gospel that we've received and give it to others, man, the, the life-giving qualities that we've been born into are rendered useless. And we live a life that's devoid of life. And so God made us to impact others. God made us not just to take in, but to give out. Not to change the whole world, but to change the whole world for one. And that's the idea behind this series is who is your one? Who is, if you've been brought out of the darkness into the light, if you've been brought into life in Christ, who is your one? Who's the one person that you're praying for? Who is the one person that you're pursuing with the gospel? And so what I wanna do this morning is I wanna read uh, Luke chapter 15, the first 10 verses. Now in Luke 15, what we find is Jesus, he launches into this kind of trilogy of parables, okay? Three stories. And we're going to look at this. The, the third one we're all pretty familiar with. It's the, the story of the, of the prodigal son. But what we're going to do is we're going to camp out in the first two for just the next few minutes, starting in Luke 15, verses 1 through 10. It starts out by saying this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Okay, all the religious people, all the tax collectors, all the sinners are gathering around to hear from Jesus. Verse number two, and the Pharisees, okay, these are the religious people, the, the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Okay, so let's stop there for a second. This is the, the key phrase that, that prompts Jesus to launch into this trilogy of parables. These religious Pharisees and scribes, there's something, they have a problem with Jesus. The problem is they look at him and they say, this, this man, receives sinners. Okay, this, this guy eats with, he sits down with sinners. Now, let me, let me stop here and let's define sinner. Let's talk about what sin is, okay? Really easy definition for sin is this, to miss the mark, to miss the mark. In other words, when we talk about sin or sinners, what we're talking about is God's mark or his standard is perfect holiness, perfect righteousness. 
And anything that falls short of that misses the mark. It's sin. And so how many of us, let me, let me ask you, how many of us fall short of God's standard of perfect holiness and perfect righteousness? How many of us fall short of that? All of us, right? We're all there. Even if God's standard is 100% perfection and holiness, the closest that you and I could come would be 99%. But for being honest, we're all probably closer to like 40, 50%, right? We all fall short of God's mark. So he's talking about sinners. And so when we talk about our one, we're talking about sinners. We're talking about people like you and me, those of us who fall short of God's standard. In fact, Romans chapter three, it says it this way, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not, how many? No, not one. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even, how many? Not even one. Not even one. In fact, Romans 3, down a little further, verse 23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So in other words, how many sinners are there? Every single one, all of us have fallen short. So this is what prompts this conversation. These religious people are like, this guy who claims to be the Messiah is hanging out with sinners, okay? So Jesus jumps in, verse number three. So he told him this parable, all right? And there's, there's three parables here. The, the, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the one that we're not, gonna, we're not gonna read this morning, but the parable of the prodigal son. Starting in verse number four, the, the parable of the lost sheep. Jesus says, so what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the, what? After the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over what? One sinner, one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. In other words, here, here's, here, there's no person on earth that doesn't need repentance. What Jesus is saying, that there's more joy in heaven over one person who understands, who recognizes their sin and repents than over 99 who think they are righteous, who think they're okay, who think they don't have to repent. Jesus says there's more rejoicing in heaven over that one. And then he moves into the second parable, the parable of the lost coin. Verse number eight, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses, how many? One coin. If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over what? One sinner, one sinner who repents. And then he launches into the story that we're not gonna look at, the, the, the prodigal son, this man who had two sons, one of them goes off to live his own life and kind of blows off his father and blows off his, uh, his inheritance, but then he comes to his senses and he comes back and his father receives him. So there, there's three things that I want, us, I want us to think about 
that these parables teach us about the one, okay, the one. The first thing is this, that God loves the lost one. God loves the lost one. Think about these, these stories. You've got a shepherd who has 100 sheep, and he leaves 99 of them to go after the one, right? And you've got this woman who has 10 coins. She's lost one of them, and she, she goes and sweeps and searches her house to find that one. You see this father who has two sons, one of them who goes off on his own, who, who leaves, who goes astray. And what happens? The father is waiting for that one that he loves. God loves the lost one. The, the love that God has is what prompts him to go after. All right, and this is the second thing. God loves the lost one, but God goes after the lost one. The shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the what? The one. The woman leaves the nine coins to go after the what? The ones to search for, to go after. God loves the one and God goes after the one. And then here's the third thing, is that heaven rejoices over the lost one found. Heaven rejoices over the lost one found. If you didn't notice in these stories, Jesus spends a little time talking about, about the person, the shepherd or the lady or the father. He spends most of the time in these stories talking about the rejoicing that happens when the lost is found. So, so here is the deal. If, if you look back in this story, he's talking about the, the lost sheep and it's about five verses long, three out of those five, it's talking about rejoicing. The fact that he found what was lost, that he calls his neighbors and his friends together and throws a party. And then he says, he ties it to the, the heavenly father and says that in heaven, when one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. All of heaven throws a party. And he says the same thing when this lady, when she finds her lost coin, there's three verses dedicated to this story. Two out of the three verses talks about that when that lost coin is found, man, she rejoices. She calls all of her friends and neighbors. She throws a party. And then, then Jesus, again, ties it back to our heavenly Father and says that when one lost sinner, when one sinner repents, comes to his knees before God and surrenders his life, that all of heaven rejoices when that lost one is found. And I want you to see the importance of, of the one. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine, it says this about, about God, about the character of our heavenly father. It says that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. Okay, when he's, when he's talking here, he's talking about his promise that he's gonna judge sin, that his wrath is gonna be poured out on the sinfulness of man. And what, what Peter says is, God's not slow in bringing this about, but he is patient toward you. He's patient toward you, not wishing or not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You know what Peter is saying here? The reason that God isn't bringing his wrath down on sinners, on humankind, on all of us, the reason he's being patient because he loves us and he's coming after us. And that when we put our faith in him, all of heaven rejoices. And so God is giving us space and he's giving us time 
not to continue to sow our wild oats and to do our own thing. He's giving us time to repent, to come to our senses because he loves us and he comes after us. And so what this, what this tells us is this, that God wants every single one of us to have a lost and found story. God wants every single person to have a lost and found story. You know what that means? You see, you see in, in the Gospels, there's a story of a, of a blind man who received this sight. And he, and he says, you know, Jesus was the one who healed him. And, and, and the religious leaders questioned him, like, how did this happen? He said, I don't know who this Jesus is. All I know is I was, I was blind, but now I can see. I was lost, but now I'm found. What God wants for every single person, for you and for me, is for us to have a lost and found story. That we once were lost, we were wandering in our stuff, we were trying to figure things out, but then we were found that God came after us and rescued us and redeemed us and gave us purpose and gave us life worth living. And so God's desire for you is you have a lost and found story. And so let me ask you, do you have a lost and found story? That there was a time when you were lost, you were clueless about what life was all about, who God was, that you could even know him. But somewhere along the way, the light turned on and you gave your life to God and you started following Jesus. Do you have a lost and found story? What is it? I've, I've told you my story. I grew up lost as could be. Didn't go to church, didn't know who God was. When I was two weeks before my 17th birthday, I heard the gospel proclaimed from someone with a big mouth like me. And I heard it for the first time and it totally turned my world upside down because I had never heard about a God who loves me, who has been pursuing me every day of my life. And I gave my life to him. I repented of my sin and I gave him all of my heart and I was lost, but then I was found. And you know what happened? There was this rejoicing that took place. You know what, like, I remember it was a youth camp, okay, in the middle of summer, July 15th, 1992. We were in the middle of, of Tennessee, the mountains of Tennessee, and I go down front with a friend, and I pray to receive Jesus. And I remember giving my life to God, and I didn't, I didn't, I totally did not know what, what all that meant or what that entailed. But when that, when that invitation, when that service got over, every like guy and girl from that youth group came down to me and said, hey, I'm so happy, congratulations. And I was like, what did I win? <laughs> did I win the lottery? What happened? I don't know what happened. I just went and prayed and said a few things and now the whole world is congratulating me. What just happened? I had no clue. Here's, here's what happened. They realized that my life had turned around that God had intersected my life and it brought me out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. And they were rejoicing. They were so excited for me. But you know what's even bigger and cooler than that is that all of heaven, the host of heaven was partying in heaven because one lost sinner had repented. I mean, doesn't that give you chills to think of all of heaven, God and all of his angels rejoice every time somebody confesses and repents of their sin. 
Y'all, that's an amazing thing. And if you have a lost and found story, if you went from being lost to found, there was a point at some point along the way where all of heaven was rejoicing with you. They were rejoicing over your life that had done a 180. Do you have a lost and found story? And here's the amazing thing, that if you do, if you do have that kind of story that God wants to use you and God wants to use me to play a part in helping others have a lost and found story. That's what we're talking about. That's why we're, we're challenging ourselves with this question. Who's your one? Because if you have a lost and found story, guess what? We get to be like the shepherd and we get to be like the lady with the lost coin. We get to be like our heavenly father that we, you and I now, get to love a lost one. And we get to go after a lost one. And then when they put their faith in Jesus, we all get to rejoice along with the host of heaven that that lost one has been found. And this is what God wants to use us for. God wants to rejoice, wants all of heaven to rejoice because here's, here's the bottom line, all right? There ain't no party like a prodigal party. Okay, I'm stealing from Coolio or somebody back in the 90s, but there ain't no party like, like a prodigal party. When a lost one comes home, when a lost one is found, when all of heaven rejoices, there's no point in existence when heaven is partying more than when one sinner repents of his sin. There's no party like a prodigal party. So here is my challenge for us as, as a church. Y'all agreed with me that 2020 is rough. How many of you have seen that meme that says, okay, is that offer from my mom to smack me into next year? Does that still apply? Have y'all seen that meme? Like, I so relate to that, amen? Like, please, let's get to 2021. Hopefully it's different. Hopefully it's better. I'm with you on that. But here, here's the thing. Here's what my challenge for us is as a church, is to redeem the next three to four months. To redeem the next three to four months rather than just saying, and again, I got to repent here too, saying instead of let's just get through this, what if, what if for the next three months, what if for the next three and a half, four months, we all focused on this question, God, who's my one? And then as we, as we find the one, we begin to, and we'll talk about this over the next couple of weeks, serve our one, and then tell our one, share the good news with, with our ones. And here's what I want to, Here's what I want to do as a church. I want to challenge us to, and this may seem big and overwhelming, but really it's pretty small in the scope of things and in the magnitude of God's power. I would love for us to shoot for 10 new lost and found stories from our ones over the next three to four months. So we would find our one, that we would serve our one, that we would tell our one, and then we could end 2020 not rejoicing that it's over, but we could rejoice that 10 lost ones have been found. Y'all, how incredible could it be that we don't waste the rest of this year, this weird, crazy, difficult year? What if we could end this year celebrating and having our own prodigal party? I don't know what that could look like if we're still social distancing, but we're gonna throw a party, y'all, whether it's one soul or 10. And I've, I've kind of, I've stolen this idea from a guy named Mike Foster and his organization called People of the Second Chance. 
But to be fair, he stole it from Jesus. All right, so it's all good. All right, I wanna show you a minute video here just to give you an idea of what a prodigal party could look like. And in this example, what they do is they throw, they throw a party for those who are coming out of incarceration. And they just throw them a party to say, we love you, God loves you, and we're just celebrating you for who you are. And it's an incredible picture of the prodigal coming home. And so I want you to check out this video. party and I just got super emotional watching that because I'm dreaming of us coming to the end of this year how glorious would it be all if we could come in this room and for no other reason we just party because 10 people 10 lost ones have been saved that we could just say man we love you God loves you we're so glad that you've been set free y'all how amazing would that be would you dream with me about what that could look like? That we could redeem 2020 as God redeems lost men and women. Maybe that lost one is your son or daughter. Maybe that lost one is your mother or father. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your friend. How incredible would it be to be welcomed into the kingdom of God with a party? And so here's, here's a question. Let me give you some practical help. How do you find your one? Maybe God's already brought the one to your mind, but here's, here's some thoughts. Okay, maybe family. Family. Who could love your family members more than you do? So maybe it's somebody in your family, your immediate or your extended family. Maybe it's close friends. Who do you want to tell when you have news? When you have good news or bad news? Who, who is the person that you want to tell? It's a good friend that maybe doesn't know Jesus. Maybe that's your one. What about a neighbor who lives next door to you? Maybe you don't even know. Maybe that's the one. Maybe this is the opportunity that you can take. Coworkers, who works across from you or who do you run into in the break room? All right, so maybe it's somebody that you work with, that you see every day. Maybe it's that coworker that drives you crazy, right? That you need to pray for, that you need to reach out to. Maybe it's a cashier or server. Who are the people you see at your regular shopping and dining spots? And I know there's probably not a lot of regular, any of that right now with COVID, but maybe it's a place you go to, somebody who serves you or you see who's always running the register at Food Line or wherever you go. Maybe that's the one that God is putting on your heart. Maybe it's, it's a classmate. Who do you see in class 
the library or lab? Who is it who God has put in your life? Maybe it's a classmate. Maybe that's your one. Maybe it's a teammate who plays in the same league or on the same team as you. Maybe a teammate is the one that God wants to use you to reach out to. Maybe it's an online friend. With whom do you engage on social media? Okay, maybe it's that punk that always comments on your things and you can't stand, but you're like, okay, that's the one. I need to pray. He needs Jesus, right? Maybe that's the one. Who is the one for you? Maybe it's an online friend. Maybe it's a fellow parent who, for those of you that are parents, who are the parents of your child's friends? Okay, who is it that God has put in your life that might be the one that God wants you to reach? Maybe it's your workout buddy. With whom do you go to the gym or run? And a lot of you are probably like, nobody. I don't do it myself, all right? Um, but maybe you work out with somebody. You see somebody at the gym or wherever it is that you frequent. Maybe that person, you see them all the time because God wants that person to be the one. So who's your one? I want to I wanna ask you, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you this week to pray a simple prayer and to ask God this week, Lord, who's my one? Who is it? Maybe there's nobody that comes to mind right now. Maybe somebody is already on your mind. I don't know, but would you ask this week, Lord, who's my one? Even as we begin to, to sing here in a moment, maybe you can begin to pray that this morning, Lord, who's my one? And then be aware and look around. Listen to the Holy Spirit when he puts people's faces on your heart. And here's something else that you can do if you want to keep this on your mind. In the, in the Bible app, uh, if you're following along sermon notes, um, or you can go search for it, there's a 40-day devotional, Who's Your One? Just download the, the free Bible app, search for this reading plan. Um, it's, a, it's a really simple plan. There's one or two verses a day and about a paragraph of text but helping us just to remember and keep on our minds this great commission that God has given us and our ones. Okay, so that's a 40-day one um, that you can follow. But let me end it with, with this. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. <clears throat> Paul says this, Look carefully then how you walk. He's talking about how you live, how you, how you walk out your life. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but is wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, I grew up reading this from a translation that said, making the best use of the time, it was redeeming the time, okay? Because the days are evil. How many of y'all would agree that the days are pretty evil right now? They are, amen? So we could probably agree on that, but here's what he says. He says, don't waste your time. Don't wish your time away but redeem the time. Okay, this redeem, it has this idea of like, like a coupon or something, okay? So let me tell you a story here. A few months ago, how many of you ever heard of the store Ikea? Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you've ever tried to put anything together from Ikea, you're cursing Ikea right now. Um, so I ordered something from Ikea several months ago, early on in COVID. And uh, if, if you've paid attention or done any online shopping, the weirdest things are out of stock, you know, I, people, are buying the weirdest things. Doggy crates, I don't know, they're out of stock. Just weird things are out of stock. So I, I tried to order a shelf from Ikea and they were out of stock. They ended up after the longest time emailed me and said, hey, we're sorry, COVID has wrecked all of our inventory, all this stuff, so we, have, we don't have this available anymore. So you know what they did? They emailed me a $20 e-gift card, okay? And so this is what they did. And uh, what happened was 
oh gosh, probably a month or so ago, I was like, I'm, I'm going up to, uh, to Charlotte. I'm dropping somebody off at the airport. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Ikea and see if this shelf is in stock. So I go, it's in stock. I'm like, sweet. Um, I go and I purchase the shelf. I get out to my car. I load it in my little CRV and I get ready to start my car and I look down in my passenger seat and I'm like, ah, oh, the gift card. I didn't use the 20 bucks off of this purchase. So I'm like, okay, I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in I'm gonna be really nice and I'm gonna try to, you know, schmooze with the cashier and say, hey, is there any way that you could take this off of my purchase? I already bought it, but it's like, hey, why don't you go to this counter? And I'm like, okay. So I go to this counter, I'm like, hey, can I use this? She's like, go to a cashier. I'm like, I just went to a cashier. And at this point, I'm like, should I return it and then buy it again so I can use my $20 gift card? And at this point, I'm like, I'm just going home. I'm tired of this. So I get in my car and I'm, I'm, I'm stashing this away and I'm gonna use it later, okay? So this has been sitting on my desk at home and I'm sitting here going, okay, I'm gonna use this $20 gift card, okay? If it costs me $20 in gas to drive up to Charlotte, to go to Ikea and to buy something I don't need, I'm gonna do it because I'm gonna use, I'm gonna redeem this $20 gift card. Am I just insane or anybody else like with me on this? Okay, I'm stupid, um, but that's, that's me, okay? I'm like, I've got to use this. I am not gonna let this thing go to waste. I'm gonna redeem it. I'm gonna use it. It is mine and I wanna use it. This is the idea behind redeeming the time. Y'all, I am with you. I, I would love to ask my mom to smack me into 2021, all right? I'm with you. But can we as a church, can we step back and go, God, I don't, I don't wanna waste my time. I don't wanna waste the rest of this year. I don't wanna wish it away. I wanna redeem the time because you've given it to me, that even when it seems like you're absent or not working, you're still working. Y'all, this season may be the season when your one, whoever your one will be, is, is primed and ready, is ripe for the picking. They are ready coming out of this season to hear some good news. And guess what, y'all? You have it. We have it. And this may be the time when God says, here you go. I've been waiting for this. I've, I've allowed, listen, I didn't say this in the last service, but if God can use 10 plagues to bring a whole nation of people out of bondage, could God not use a pandemic to bring 10 souls out of bondage to sin and into freedom and life? Absolutely he can. 10, when I say 10, it seems like the bar is too low. God is so much bigger and more powerful than that. But y'all, will we, will we partner with God in this work that he's called us to? Who is your one? I don't ask you to stand with me and I'm gonna pray for us and over us about what God wants to do in our lives as we end this year. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you know what, we're gonna do what we did last year. Next week, we're gonna, I wanna ask you this week to pray, ask the Lord, who's my one? And next week, we're gonna write down the names or the initials of, of the one that God has put on our heart. And we're gonna lay it on the altar and, and every single week for the rest of this year, we are gonna pray over our ones, believing that God wants to write new lost and found stories. 
that he wants to use us to bring people to Jesus so that we can rejoice and have a prodigal party with all of heaven. And so, Lord, this morning, I thank you for what you have done. Lord, for those of us that have come to our senses like the prodigal son, Lord, we've realized our sinfulness before you and have, have bowed our knees before you, have submitted our lives before you and given you all of us Lord, you've written this lost and found story in our life. And Lord, we, we just want to say thank you this morning. That when there's no way that we could have found ourselves, Lord, you came after us because you loved us. And Lord, I pray, my prayer for us as your people, as your church, is that you would use us in such a way that we would love the lost ones that you have put into our life, that we would go after the lost ones that you have put in our life so that we could rejoice over every single lost one that repents of their sin, for every single lost one that becomes found. And so, Lord, I'm praying that you would reveal to every single one of us the one that you have put in our world, the one that you've put in our life to be the light to, that we would, we would point the way to the way maker, that we would live in such a way that we would, we would lift up your name, the power and the wonder and the beauty of that matchless name, that if we would lift you high, if we would hold high your name, that you would draw all men to yourself. And so Lord, help us. Give us, give us the one, not just bring them to our minds, but God, give us a burden and a passion to go after them because we want to see them found. And so Lord, I pray that you do something amazing in our church over these next few months, something that we could never ever take credit for ourselves, but that we could just rejoice with you over what you have done. And so Lord, would you use us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.